You're listening to The Active Lifestyle Marketer, brought to you by Tiger Creative, the creative agency for active lifestyle brands. Find out more at tigercreative.com. Welcome to The Active Lifestyle Marketer, a podcast dedicated to bringing industry experience and insight into marketing and active lifestyle brand. Whether you're a travel and leisure, fitness and sport, or a health and nutrition brand, if you want insight into the strategies, struggles, challenges, and successes of other active lifestyle brand executives, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to the Active Lifestyle Marketer. Today on the show, we're talking with Emily Cox, ex-pro triathlete, podcaster, Olympic trials qualifier, uh, and now uh, events production team for Ride Napa. Uh, thanks for being on the show, Emily. Thank you very much for having me. You wear a lot of hats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely do. I like to keep it in the active lifestyle space, but um, definitely, you know, through my pro triathlon here in Napa, I met lots of cycling people, and that's kind of how I started getting involved with Ride Napa Valley, and it's kind of what I currently do. So it's that's, fun. That's awesome. Can Can you give us a little? Uh, summary of, of your past and where you came from and how you got into this active lifestyle, um, <laughs> lifestyle, I guess. Yeah. So I grew up in Michigan. Uh, I swam my whole life all the way through, um, my college career. I did at university of Michigan. And as you said, I was Olympic trials qualifier, um, NCAA honorable mention, and then, you know, finished college, my athletic career was seemingly over, went and worked, you know, a desk job in Chicago. And um, after a couple of years of kind of just going to the gym, I, I found my way into a triathlon. And that was 2003 or four. I can't totally remember, but it was the Chicago triathlon. And I liked it. And I always love training. So I just got more and more immersed into the training aspect and just wanted to make myself better and better. And then, um, qualified for my pro license, um, in 2009. So, and then raced professionally until just this past year in November. Wow. Now, did someone introduce you to triathlon or you just found it by happenstance? Um, well, I found it because, so I was training for, I, first did like a 8k run it was the shamrock shuffle or something in chicago a friend had talked me into it and i wasn't really a runner but went out and had fun and then i was like oh i'll do a half marathon and then did a half marathon and then the same day i did the half marathon i was like oh uh, you know a full marathon isn't that much further than a half mm -hmm. and so i signed up for the chicago marathon and in the midst of that i always had kept swimming i just kind of did some cross training because i got a little bored with just running. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did the marathon and I didn't love it. And, uh, I liked that sw swimming was a part of triathlon cause I was good at it. So I was like, I think I'll just do triathlon cause there's swimming in it and you know, there's something to always mix it up. So that's just kind of, and I was like overdoing like a four hour, like my first marathon was like four hours or something. And I was like, no, like, I don't need to, I don't need to run for four hours. Yeah, that's no fun. That's, that's always been my least favorite part of triathlons. Yeah. I mean, I grew to love running, but I just, you know, I, I mean, I started out running and as a typical swimmer, you're, you have the cardiovascular, um, 
engine for it, but my body wasn't ready for it. So, you know, I ended up with a stress fracture and I was just like, no, this isn't going to work for me. So that's how I got into triathlon and loved it. So how did the introduction to the bike aspect go for you? Did you (laughs) take that up pretty, pretty quickly or was that a long learning curve? Well, it seemed to be a long learning curve and I was never the most powerful cyclist, even in my professional career. But because I was such a good swimmer and a lot of other triathletes aren't quite as good in the water, um, I would always come out way ahead. And then I just remember it was this constant train of people passing me on the bike. (laughs) (laughs) So um, luckily I was able to just kind of be in my own headspace and and just get the work done. But I was like, Oh my gosh, these people can ride a bike. And I, you know, I swam my whole life. So my muscles were all in my arms, not my legs. Um, so I felt like it took me a while to get better on the bike. And, you know, every year I would kind of be like, Oh, well they didn't, you know, they used to pass me at mile three. Now they're passing me at mile seven, you know, that kind of thing. Um, And then when I stepped up into the pro ranks, it kind of like went back to me being ahead out of the swim and then everybody passing me in the first mile. So, uh, I was used to it though. uh, (laughs) Then you got to catch them back on the run. Exactly. And I mean, I became a better runner and everything, but yeah, the bike wasn't, you know, I did the typical, like when you first start wearing, um, shoes where you clip you know, you clip into your cleats, into the pedal, like you tip over and my handling skills weren't great. I mean, that whole like learning to cycling thing. Um, and I learned on the lakefront trail in Chicago, which is like an obstacle course of rollerbladers and cyclists and strollers (laughs) and runners. So maybe that was a good trial by fire. Yeah. Threw you in, threw you in real, in the deep end really quick. Exactly. That said, I had no idea about descending. So <laughs> when I moved out here to nap, I was like, oh, my God, I don't know how to ride down these hills. There's so many hills. <laughs> yep, exactly. But it's all a process and you, you get better every time you do it. And I didn't really have like an ego about it. I was just kind of like, all right, well, I'll get better every ride I do. So, yeah, that's. And then can you share maybe some of the, uh, you know, seven plus year career, can you share some of the successes you had as a pro triathlete during that, that span of time? Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, as a, I think as a pro, like you think, oh, I'm just going to get better and better and better. And you do, but you get, you have ups and downs and, um, I definitely had, had ups and downs, but I always loved racing. And, um, some of my top results, I remember, I got fourth at Escape from Alcatraz in 2012, and I believe it was in, it's hard to remember all these years, 2013, I was sixth at Vine Man, um, I got a few seconds and thirds at Pacific Grove, I, that was an Olympic distance, mm-hmm. um, I, I won a half Ironman in the Cayman Islands in oh, cool. 2015, yeah, that was a fun race, um, couple f- more fourths and fifths at the Vine Man 70.3. Um, I got fifth at the ITU Long Distance Worlds in 2016. I would, you know, I, w- I would say that on a whole, like I got faster every year consistently. Um, I never had like that amazing breakout and I never won like a super big race, but I'm so proud of my career and that every year, I did the training and I, and I was faster and I was more competitive and, um, I did, I didn't shy away from the 
you know, I raced close to home because it was was cheaper, easier, you know, I could drive. Mm -hmm. Um, So it seemed like a lot of the races around here were pretty stacked. And so I, I enjoyed racing like the best of the best. And every year I was a little bit closer to them. Um, I did get third at wildflower. That was, that was an awesome race. And, um, that was also in 2016. And then I closed out my career with an Ironman in Arizona, my first and only Ironman. And I finished ninth in a super stacked field and didn't, you know, my main goal for that was like a, to finish and mm-hmm. B not to have it, <laughs> any huge catastrophes out there. A so breakdown of sorts. Yeah. So it was a smooth day. Um, and, and I was really happy about that. That's awesome. Now, during that seven-year career, was was uh, we talk a lot about brand ambassadors now and, and brands coming alongside pro triathletes to, to push whatever products or services that they're offering um, and, and athletes being um, brands themselves. Was that kind of happening as you throughout your seven-year career? Was, was that something kind of on the forefront and progressing as, as social media has grown over the last uh, decade? What did kind of, that kind of look like during that seven-year span for your career? You know, I did, I noticed a change. So when I first got into triathlon, it was a lot of like blogging and mm-hmm. people had blogs and like I even met people over blogs and they, they, be, we raced together and they became my friends and you'd read their stories. And I feel like now, as you probably noticed, like people are blogging less and it's very much like Twitter and Instagram and Facebook to tell your story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those blogs were the kind of early ad- and people, some people still do blog, um, were the early editions of telling your story. And now you do it over Instagram. Strava, I think now is, is bigger. You can kind of tell your training story and, mm-hmm pictures of that. And I think they're actually introducing a blogging aspect to Strava. Um, but I think now you have to be like, people don't sit down and like read a long blog. Like they want quick hits of what you're doing or they want to be able to listen to you, you know, while they're driving to work. So maybe you're involved in a podcast. Um, Mm -hmm. so I see podcasts almost as the new blog. Um, so that's kind of what I noticed in my career. And I'll be totally honest with you. Like I, I didn't probably market myself and make a story as well as I should have. I just kind of hunkered down and did the training Mm -hmm. and, and raced well, but on, you know, that's only one level of what it is to be a pro triathlete. And if you really want to get sponsors, like you have to do the whole thing. Right. Racing well, you need a large following, you need fan, you know, kind of fans of you, people who you're going to be able to influence to um, use your sponsor's products. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that got more and more as I got more well known. um, But I was definitely not like a super popular triathlete. I mean, you know, if you're finishing like fourth, like people usually remember the people who finished first and second. I mean, and and as they should. but if you, you know, there, there were definitely women behind me who I was usually beating them, but they might have better deals than me because they were touching more, not touching, but you know, um, <laughs> they were more connected maybe to yeah. a larger audience. Um, and I think you see a change now with what's happening in triathlon is that a lot of the companies are 
moving more towards, I don't want to say sponsoring, but working with age group teams because Mm -hmm. they get more eyes on their products, more people using their products. And I feel like a lot of times the age group athletes are doing, they're very social. They're doing things together in large groups. They're going for rides and runs and they're on these teams and there's a lot of talk. So there's a lot of ways to, I mean, people are talking about their product and, and using it. Um, and right. then, well, and, and you can relate to that audience. I mean, as someone who's not a professional triathlete, triathlete, I'm going to be able to relate to someone who's also not a professional triathlete a lot better than someone who is like that, that lifestyle. Those are two different lifestyles completely. And I can just relate to that person. That's not a pro a lot better than someone that is. And so if that person that's not a pro, uh, you know, is still relatively successful within their age group, but they have a large following, it, it makes sense that a brand would attach themselves to that type of person. Um, more so than like a, a pre- professional triathlete necessarily. So um, that kind of that, that makes sense that, that you're seeing a push towards that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'll challenge you on that because I'm not challenge you, but sometimes I, that would be the one thing that would, it was like the re- relatability thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, you try to tell, like I was, I was a age grouper for five years. Like the only difference between like me and you was that, I mean, I just got faster. That's Mm -hmm. it. Like I had the same kind of like challenges and like fitting things into my life because I didn't just do pro, you know, I was a coach and, and I had started working on these cycling events before I had retired and things. So I was still doing those other things. I just, you know, I couldn't say, Oh, I go sit at a desk for eight hours a day and then do my training. Um, So there was a little difference, but at the same time I was like, but I'm not that I'm not different. I'm just a little (laughs) bit faster, you know? So it was like, if you wanted, I was in that middle tier where like the top, top people are going to get really good sponsorship as they should. They're, they're on magazine covers, you know, people are watching them in the races, they're winning Kona. Um, but it was like that middle tier and people be like, well, people don't see you as relatable because you're fast and you're kind of like a professional. And so you're different from them. But I would try to be like, but I'm not that different. So it was like having to not sell that part, but just make people aware that like, I'm really like not that different. Yeah. Yeah. And now what, what kind of sponsors did you have while throughout that seven year career? What, what brands attach themselves to your name? Um, I worked with Smash Fest Queen, which is um, triathlon, cycling, casual apparel. Um, a friend of mine who I swam with um, started that company with her partner, and they've established a great um, a brand. Like you see it everywhere. It's amazing to see. Like I wore like their first edition, and then to see what it is now. Like you go to races, and it's like Smash everywhere. That's awesome. Um, so it's. Yeah, it's cool. So I worked with them at the beginning and then at the, towards the end of my career in the middle, um, I worked with Zoot Sports and they, you know, did my, I got all my clothing and footwear from them because I, I love their running shoes. Um, so I worked with them and then that ended, uh, not because they were unhappy with me, but just for, as I was saying before, they kind of went more into the, age group team thing and Mm -hmm. cut down all their pros except for two. And, um, 
Interesting. Also, yeah, and also picked up, they became like the clothing sponsor for WTC. So their marketing dollars went elsewhere. Um, I rode Focus Bikes and um, they gave me a couple bikes. So very um, grateful to them. And then, oh gosh, um, Roca wore their wetsuits. Um, they were designed by a couple Stanford swimmers. Mm-hmm. So I was one of the first people in their wet wetsuits in their Bay Area based. Now they're kind of in Dallas and I'm sure you've seen them there. They've really grown. Um, Rudy Project for helmets and sunglasses. Um, oh, cool. Still work, yeah, still work with them um, right now. I'm still kind of under contract. Um but then doing the cycling events, like, and I'm also coaching more now. So I still feel like I have, um, marketability for companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so working with them and then, oh gosh, you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God's roadside was one of my local sponsors okay. here in Napa. So, um, they're like a burger and, and shakes and fries at joint here. And they are also, um, the owner is a big cyclist and uh, his wife is also a triathlete herself is a great Ironman triathlete. Um, so just working with them and like offered promotions, I would, you know, if I did like a panel or something, I would take God's roadside um, gift certificates for people cause they're throughout the Bay area. So they were actually a, a really good sponsor of mine. And I worked with uh, free play magazine a little bit and did some writing for them. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, I didn't have like big cash sponsors though. Like it was, it was mostly products. Like as I said, like I wasn't that big, um, mm-hmm. so I couldn't really. I didn't feel like I could really demand like a salary or something. And I was right. kind of when I was getting good. Um, I would say that's when sponsorships were starting to decline. Like you know, in oh. 2011 and 12 and 13, like there was a, a lot more sponsorship than there is now. Interesting. I think. Yeah. And, and that p- being part of that push for, for brands like that to, to move from that pro triathlete and focus more on the, the team aspect or yeah. just a lack of marketing money. I think, I think more focusing on the, they just wanted to put their marketing dollars into that. It was, it was cheaper for them, right? Like they could offer these, these age group teams, 20% off and they were happy. The athletes are happy to get 20% off. That's great. That's a yeah. big break on, on stuff that they're going to be buying because they're racing mm-hmm. and, and they're promoting it. And you can go to races now and you see like when I first, first got into triathlon, like the race kits were plain. There was nothing on them. Now you go to a race and all the age groupers are wearing kits that ha- and they have brand names on them and they mm-hmm. have all that on them. So they get, they get that brand awareness and their name out there for a lot less. And let's be honest, a lot of people who are watching triathlons are not watching a triathlon except for maybe Kona for the pros. They're there because their husband or their wife or their kid right. is doing the race. Yeah. Um, so the marketing you know, it might, it's not done on race day. Like you have to kind of do videos and show your training. Um, that's kind of where you get followers, I think. Yeah, for sure. Now taking that experience with pro triathlon and, and your relationships with those sponsors and, and, um, promoting yourself as a, as a pro into now working with ride Napa, what does that kind of look like? And, and what kind of, 
um, experience and, and expertise did you bring into working with Ride Napa in that space? Um, well, I mean, I brought a lot. I do a lot of the courses for the events that we create. So we have Napa 9, Bikes for Tots, Campo Velo. Um, I am the course designer, so to speak. Oh, cool. Because um, <laughs> I've ridden all these roads. So I'm like, well, let's do this. Yeah. Um, so my training was research for that. And then I think since I, all the people that, work with ride Napa Valley, like the owner, Rebecca, like we're all cyclists. So, um, we kind of know what cyclists are looking for. And then, you know, the one part that I wasn't exposed to was say the hospitality part of it and, you know, organizing dinners and events. Mm -hmm. Um, that's like a new thing, but I kind of brought in, Oh, well, these are what cyclists are looking for, or they might need flip flops after their ride, or they want chamois cream, or, you know, they, they might like this type of drink or, um, you know, food just, you know, Oh, like potato chips are great. It's (laughs) mile 75 of a hundred mile ride. Um, that kind of, I think I bring that kind of thing. And then also because I've worked being a triathlete, I've worked in the space with sponsors. I can go to kind of former um, sponsors and people that I have relationships with and try to bring them into this type of event, um, which is different from a triathlon, but you're getting a, like at Campo Velo, which is a three day thing. We have famous chefs and we do rides and wine tastings and eat good food Um, I can bring them into that space where they're going to have three days of exposure and people like being able to look at their product and see it and maybe even use it. Like if it's a, if they, it's a bike company and they bring their demo bikes, you know, they can do demos and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, bring that kind of thing into it, I guess that answers the question. Yeah, definitely. Now with each of those events, are those more just ride for fun type events or those big uh, competitive events. They're, they're ride for fun. So, um, I would all, you know, Campo Velo, which is kind of our, our bigger one. Um, the three day one we have it at the end of October. Um, we have a couple, you know, we have lots of options for rides from one that's like called the coffee and donuts ride where you ride 10 miles and then have coffee and donuts. <laughs> um, and that, you know, we also offer like hiking and yoga for those who don't ride, but they love to enjoy like, being in Napa and maybe their husband or wife is riding. Um, so they all different distances. There might be like a timed segment here or there. Like we had like a, what we called, we went up a climb called ink grade. So it was the ink grade incline challenge, but the only timed segment was the climb up ink grade. Um, so you can be social and do all that kind of thing. Um, so it was more about just the experience of cycling and going to the rest stops that we had with these chefs that had created amazing food for the cyclists to eat while they're riding. I mean, so you're not getting like a four course meal, but they would create kind of energy food mm-hmm. for for the riders. Um, and then, you know, you finish with like a beer and wine tasting and um, a band and a good meal. Um, and hanging out at the winery with your new friends. Um, so that, that's kind of more of our, what we do. Um, and then like Napa nine, which was like a gnarly 120 mile, 12, 12,000 feet of climbing or more ride. That was more just like an endurance. Like it wasn't a race, but it's definitely kind of for the hardcore 
athlete yeah. type thing. The whole range, and it's all fundraising. Gotcha. Now, you saw during your pro career that that move and push for brands um, to focus more on the athletes that aren't necessarily pros uh, and, and wanting to sponsor maybe cycling teams. Are you seeing those same brands making a push towards these like ride for fun events rather than focusing as much time on like the big competitive events or what does that kind of look like? Are you noticing you know, in that space? I, I do, you know, because I've had a couple conversations with um, cycling companies that we've worked with through De- ride Napa Valley. Um, they see value in, in the, you know, a three day event like Campo Velo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually um, the demographic are people who, like to enjoy the finer things in life, um, and have the means to do so. Um, so they, they want to do that. And, and I mean, I think, you know, an event like Ironman, like while it is the competitive event on that day, there is also that whole atmosphere surrounding it. Um, and usually people in who, do, who are doing Ironmans are sort of the same clientele, like well to do, um, mm-hmm. and, and want like the shiny fast bike and the, you know, and the good wheels and, and things like that. So I think they just want to be able to, um, chat with the, the, you know, potential consumer and show them their product versus cause a lot of people like it's just clicks on the internet. So you're not really looking. Whereas if you have face to face time with someone, I think they look and they can, they can touch the product or use the product or, or whatever. And, and that creates a lasting impression that you sometimes don't get from the sound bites, maybe that are just on the internet. Like it's just so easy to click through, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. I, I think you just see a push more towards like these type of cycling events. I mean, I see them all the time I and mean, the, there's multiple here in Napa. I mean, there was, you know, there's a Levi's Grand Fondo, which is huge, but there's also like, um, Peter Stetna, which is a, he's a, pro um cycling guy he just had like a an event type thing up in in tahoe and there's the crush challenge here in napa and um oh god i mean you have those those races like the haute route like they have them in france and the then they had one in the rockies um i think those type of events are good because people like to go to a nice place they like to cycle maybe they want to race maybe they don't but they want to work out and be fit and have a good dinner and some good wine. Yeah, for sure. Now, how, how are you guys within that same vein, um, specifically with Ride Napa, storytelling to, to get that message out to your audience and, and grow that those events and, and uh, kind of bring awareness to what you guys are doing? What does that storytelling aspect look like for you guys? Um, Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> uh, try to have, you know be active on, um, both those spaces. I think I personally really like Instagram because you can, I mean, you can take some amazing photos. I mean, I take photos all the time when I ride and being able to post those and just tell a story about what the photo is about or what's going on or, I mean, food photos and, you know, this is what we're going to have and this is what it's going to look like and this is what it's going to feel like. And, um, I think Instagram is great for that and it's, it's, you see a lot, I think, of people telling their story on Instagram, like some of the posts are longer, um, but, you know, you have this beautiful picture and then a story below it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, that's maybe a couple paragraphs. So we do it that way. Um, definitely Facebook and Instagram and they kind of, they work interchangeably, not interchangeably. Facebook's a little different for sure, but, um, I think Instagram is, is great. And, um, you can be pretty, if you're active on there, you can reach more people. And as you, as you guys have made a push towards those social elements, have you seen, um, some positive feedback in, in like your numbers for participants or, um, participation from sponsors? What does that kind of look like over the last couple of years? Yeah. So last year was the first, um, year of Campo Velo. It was previously another event and then we kind of switched it up. Um, so we're building that event last year and, um, we gained a lot of traction through Instagram and also with the chefs that we had involved who already have, you know, Chris Cosentino, who's won top chef masters, um, and is very famous. I mean, he was, this was his event. Mm -hmm. And so he was very involved. So just having him and his social media platform really catapulted Campo Velo and made it an event that people are more interested in this year. Um, so I think it'll, it, it grows that way. Um, and you have, you know, a good team of, you know, chefs and ex pro cyclists and stuff attending the event, you get more eyes and more mentions and more hashtags. Um, and that was definitely, you know, if you look at our marketing deck for this year for potential sponsors, like that's something that we highlight. And I think, you know, going back to pro triathlon, like you have to highlight that, like, that you do have interaction with your fans, that people are interested in what you're doing and they're listening to you. Right. Have you guys played with any longer form storytelling, like uh, maybe a like true story type stuff of people who have experienced your rides and and come out for the better? Or what is that? Have you played with any of that stuff? Um, a little bit. You know, I think after the ride, <sighs> we had videos. And, um, you know, longer Instagrams of this is what happened. Um, and just definitely before the ride kind of building it up to, we had some longer form Instagram posts, um, of really fantastic pictures. Um, so I, I would say yes, for sure. And, you know, the day of the weekend of, of the event, it was really important to us to have, people there to take the pictures so we could tell the story later and show people what it was all about. Mm-hmm. Now, how many rides or events are under the Ride Napa brand? Oh, gosh. Um, she does quite a few. I'm involved with Bikes for Tots, which is coming up in October. Um, it's been running for, this will be the 13th year. Um, Campo Velo, which is at the end of April. Napa 9, which was in August. Um she definitely, she has rides for during the Napa Valley film festival. They usually show a cycling event and then, you know, there's a ride surrounding it and a Q and a, um, with the kind of who, you know, last year it was, uh, Mariani or Marinoni. He is, a uh, was kind of used to design bikes and now he's setting world records for like, he's like 90 and he's doing, um, the one hour in the velodrome. Oh goodness. So, yeah. So he was there cause he hand, he would hand my bikes and he's Italian. Um, so they had a ride event surrounding that, um, cycle for sight, which is in April as well. Um, which is a, two, I think 2000 people or so, um, and it raises money for the blind. Um, uh, I think 
that's all the big ones, but there are smaller ones throughout the year too. Okay, cool. Now, earlier you mentioned fundraising. So are all of the events fundraising events? Yeah. So Campo Velo raises money for No Kid Hungry, um, which provides, uh, you know, lunches and breakfast for kids at school. And Chef's Cycle is a three-day um, event where like full on like chefs like Chris Constantino and stuff, they ride a hundred miles a day to raise money for this charity, No Kid Hungry. And that's kind of where Campo Velo came from. Like, he's like, I want to do this for, you know, people who aren't chefs so they can come and enjoy amazing food and do a lot of riding. So that's kind of how Campo Velo was born. So it raises money for No Kid Hungry. And then also the Napa Bike Coalition, which is our Napa County Bicycle Coalition, which it kind of does, um, you know, all the safety stuff and bike lanes in the county, um, World Bicycle Relief, um, providing the bikes for um, people in Africa so they can go get clean water and food and go to school. And there was another one, but forgetting right now. Um, those were the big ones. And then Bikes for Tots raises money for an organization that gives bikes to kids and provides safety and just kind of life skills. Uh-huh. And then Napa 9 was started by a cop in town who was a big rider and his it was kind of his retirement party and he wanted to raise money for a the youth bureau which um offers help to kind of high risk youth here in Napa who you know maybe their parents have been arrested or they're acting out in school so programs for them. Mm-hmm. He did that for his birthday one year and that's become an annual event now. Yep, yep. The so kind of 2016 was we just kind of got together loosely and did it and then this year we're like we got to make it an event. So um we still didn't have a ton of riders. It was, you know, we had put it together relatively quick quickly, but after we did it, as you were talking about, like we told the story through Facebook and showed mm-hmm. all the climbs and showed the pictures and we had a really um, passionate group of people who came to do it and they're like, oh my God, this is great. So hopefully next year it'll be a little bit bigger. That's awesome. So who did you say runs Ride Napa Valley or started Ride Napa? Napa? Um, Rebecca Koch. Okay. So when she started Ride Napa, she set out to build an events company that would create these fundraising events. Can you talk to me about like the purpose behind why she did that and and maybe go into that a little bit? Yeah. So she was in event production. So she helped create the Napa Valley Film Festival and she's a cyclist herself. Um, She raised raced bikes and um, she had just gotten kind of more involved in in these type of like health and fitness and wellness is what she loves. And um, she wanted to produce these events in this amazing place. Um, thought it was the perfect place for it um, with the good food and the good wine and the amazing mm-hmm. hills. So um, that was kind of the impetus. And also, you know, she had thought too about like being able to provide, like if someone called up and, and this hasn't happened yet, but like have people, you know, Hey, we got four people coming out here. We want to, we want a really good ride to do. We want someone who knows the roads to take us out and show us where to go. And then, you know, so almost like a tour, but like for more the hardcore cyclist who wants to do like 50 miles, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, that is something she's, she's looking into. It's like 
almost like a speed tour. Like it's not like just go winery to winery. It's like you want to go out and do like a hard bike ride and then be able to enjoy the valley, which I think is the best way to enjoy the valley. Like, I mean, a lot of people have a different style than me, but I think it's a great place to be active. And then you've earned that right to kind of go enjoy some amazing, (laughs) (laughs) amazing meal and a glass of wine. Yeah, for right? sure. So what is what is your guys' strategy for, for building that aspect of the brand out in the next two to three years? Um, we'll have to talk more about that. Um, right now, we've been so focused on the events. Um, we haven't been working on that totally, and it is her company. So um, whether she decides to go down that route, um, we'll have to see. And she's just mentioned it in the past. Um, uh, was that an original goal when she started Ride Napa? I was think, it, yeah. It that, was, or is that just happened later and the events were fundraising events were always the focus? I think it was kind of both, but then the fundraising events, they do take so much. It, it, it like, I think the fundraising events are, an extension of that, right? Like we're just bringing more people in for on a specific weekend than having people contacting you and saying, Oh, I got four people on August 4th, you right. know? So, um, it just got, I mean, these events I've never, this was my first time kind of working in event production and, you know, I helped find the volunteers for these events and stuff. Like it's a lot of work. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I think, you know, once you get, she gets it more established and the events are, are, um, you know, really have taken hold, um, then there might be more time to develop that other stuff. But now I think because she has done such a great job producing these events, more people are coming to her and say, can you do our event? <laughs> Cause it, it is, it is a lot of work. So if you go to oh, someone yeah. who has the relationships with the wineries, um, with the chefs, um, with the winemakers, with the sommeliers, um, it's, you don't, there's a lot less research that needs to be done. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. And when did you say Ride Napa was started? Oh gosh. Um, I came in kind of like on the back end, I think a couple, couple years ago, she's, she's been doing this event production. Like, as I said, starting with the Napa Valley film festival, um, and then kind of, you know, branching out and branching out and branching out. So I got involved with her first big event, which is called the Bottega Grand Fondo. Um, in 2014 and then steadily got you know she, i would say she she coerced me into doing more and more having <laughs> more, more responsibilities um which is fine because i love it but yeah so i would say a few years ago for sure so it's not necessarily been around for all of that long but it sounds like you guys have had a lot of success in just a few years yeah yeah she um you know, like a, a couple of years ago, Cadell Evans was at one of our events. You know, we've had George Hincampy and Christian Vandeveld and Andrew Solansky's involved in some of the events. So um, there's there's some good good stuff going on, and and she's done a really good job of of making connections in the cycling world. Um, you know, and she helps put on like you know even for she's helping to do like the dinners for a ride, um, you know, a grand fondo that's taking place down in San Luis Obispo. So, Mm -hmm. um, she gets recruited, you know, outside of her specific, you know, Napa Valley. That's really cool. Well, we talk a lot about the importance of having 
purpose behind your brand and, and purpose behind what you do as an organization, whether you're selling a service or a product, um, having something beyond that service or product that uh, people can attach themselves to that have like values. Um, and it, it, it sounds like you guys, because there's so much purpose behind what you and Rebecca are doing with Ride Napa that people just want to be a part of that and, and want to invest in that, wh- whatever you guys are doing. And, and, Obviously having that fundraising aspect is an easy way into that, but that, that purpose behind what you guys are doing is so crucial and, and probably is due to a lot of success that you've had over the last few years. Yeah, I think so. I think it gives it depth and I think you have something kind of to, to learn about and think about on the weekend. Like, I mean, a lot of our guests maybe last year at Campo Velo hadn't heard of No Kid Hungry. And so you hear the passion that Chef Cosentino has for this organization um, that makes sure that a kid, when they get to school, they have breakfast on their desk. If, mm-hmm. if I mean, which is so important. It takes away the stigma because they provide breakfast for every kid in that room. It takes away the stigma of being the kid that, that needs that breakfast. Yeah. Um, and they found actually that it creates a lot of um, empathy or the other kids kind of learn empathy because they're like, oh, my God, like he and they they'll save food for, you know, if they know Sam doesn't doesn't sometimes get food at home. That's really cool. Yeah. So it's just a really and, and you know, like if you're bonking, like you can't learn anything. Yeah. And they want to make sure that kids are ready to learn. They have food. And um, so I think it's that's really important. And then World Bicycle Relief, I mean, provides these buffalo bikes to um, people in Africa so they can get clean water and get to school. And, you know, mobility is, is life. Yeah, for sure. That's the type of long-form content and storytelling that I was, I was uh, trying to get to. Are you guys telling some of those incredible stories that are happening out of these organizations that you're fundraising for with it, with each event? Yep. Yeah. So, you know, at Campo Velo, um, beyond like we did the rides and then in the afternoons um, had like kind of, I don't want to call them seminars, but just like you could go to a tasting or a tasting of food or tasting of wine with the chefs and they, they would stand and they would talk about what they're serving you. But then also, you know, Chef Cosentino talked exactly what I just talked about. And World Bicycle Relief, we had a, you know, a um, evening reception and they talked about it and they had the buffalo bike there. And it's like you could give like a, it was something crazy relatively cheap like maybe 140 bucks will buy one of those buffalo bikes for someone in africa so so you could fund a need you know just say i'm buying a bike tonight yeah Um, absolutely yeah so so we had all that stuff there to tell that story because you know if you've never seen the buffalo bike i mean it's 50 pounds they've made it so it's like doesn't break and it does break Right. And if it does break, it's super easy to fix. And they make sure to, you know, beyond just giving the bikes, um, they train someone in that village to be the mechanic for the bikes. Um, So they're providing jobs as well. mm -hmm. Yeah. And just, you know, it's like, what's the proverb? Like, give a man a fish he'll eat for a day, like give him a fishing pole or something and he'll eat. Teach him to fish and he'll, he'll eat for a lifetime or something. 
Yeah, yeah. So so it's it's that type of thing. And yeah. um so yeah, that we do tell the story through the weekend. Um, you know, fundraising dinners and, and things like that. Yep. That's awesome. Well, good for you guys. That's that's awesome to hear. Well, thank you. It's actually it's really fun to talk about it because it it reminds me why I'm doing this and it it's like reignites my my passion for you know, doing, making sure the event is well run and people want to come back. Yeah, definitely. Well, it, it's so easy to get into the grind of what you're doing and the day-to-day tasks to forget like why you're really doing something. And, and so that's, that's cool. I'm, I'm glad that we could just have that conversation as a reminder. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. Cause I have a couple meetings this week for, you know, we're starting planning for Camp Bella 2018. So awesome. perfect. Yeah. Now I'm fired up. <laughs> well, good. Well, Emily, this has been a ton of great content and we so appreciate you being on the show and sharing your expertise and experience with Ride Napa and, and your whole history as a pro triathlete and Olympian. Um, we just, uh, just thank you so much for being on the show. If people want to get a hold of you and ask any further questions or uh, learn more about Ride Napa, how can they reach you? Um, well, I'm on Twitter, um, Emily Cox. You can send me a message that way. And then also um, my website, emilycox.com, there's a contact page and you can click on that and send me a message. Um, Instagram, I'm swimmer who tries. Uh, so you can send <laughs> me a mess. Um, you can send me a message there. Um, and yeah. And you said I was an Olympian. I was an Olympic trials qualifier. I That's right. Qualify that. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was an Olympian. I wish way beyond most people at that attempt. Well, thank you so much. I'm, you know, glad to to come on the podcast and, you know, excited to share with uh, my followers. Yeah. Well, have a great day. And uh, thank you again, Emily. Yep. Thank you, Zach. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Active Lifestyle Marketer. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and or review us on the iTunes store and make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other active lifestyle brand leaders or know someone who would be a great guest on the Active Lifestyle Marketer, let us know. We love connecting with active lifestyle brand executives and sharing their insights and knowledge with our audience. Just send us an email at info at tigercreative.com. And lastly, if you need help telling your brand story, we would love to share how we could help in that process. Check us out at tigercreative.com. See you next time.